0: In this episode of the Live Damn Well podcast. High blood sugar does worsen immune function. Glucose and vitamin C compete for absorption. Actually, myself, I've been in a hospital. Usually the food, jello, white bread, pizza, vegetable oils, everywhere. That is not conducive to healing someone when they're at their worst. I want to get into relevant, like very relevant measures of health and how they relate to COVID, because that's the most relevant thing happening in our lives the past eight months. Okay, so basically, in the United States, 42% of Americans are obese. And so higher BMI not overweight. That's yeah. obese, obese. American adults are obese. Usually you present with something called metabolic syndrome, which is this collection of really bad biomarkers like high insulin, blood sugar, hypertension, whatever. Right. And that all leads to low grade inflammation, you know, disruption of white blood cells and the way that they are uh, generated and their activity. This next one is called glutathione. So what is glutathione? Basically, glutathione is uh, one of the most important antioxidants that we have in the body. And it is a tripeptide made up of uh, cysteine, glycine, and glutamate. And it's involved in a bunch of things like proper cell death, apoptosis, antiviral defense, mitochondrial function, and immunity.
1: Glutathione is... Endogenous, which means it's made by your body. So it's not so like you could supplement with it, but it's uh, it's not like you're oh like I'm getting some NAD or you know some turmeric as in those antioxidants. Your body makes this, which means that is that is what your body is used to using. That's what your body uses.
0: Right, and so that leads me to my next part because oh, like these people have low glutathione status. Like, you know, how can you have more like naturally and what depletes it is more important. So you, you do make glutathione and the way the amount that you use it up because you have too much oxidative stress and the foods that you eat contribute to a high or a low amount. So how does someone become deficient? Uh, well, it decreases with age is number one, low consumption of like whole foods, like veggies, fruits, meat, um, people with chronic diseases, right? Because as I said, someone with obesity or a chronic disease, they're going to have this low steady level of inflammation throughout every second of their lives while they have that disease, meaning their body is literally on, on like fight or flight mode, so to speak, all the time, meaning it is constantly depleting that glutathione because it's constantly needing to, you know, your body's trying to keep yourself alive. So it's, trying to, it's
1: continuously trying to mediate the, the, the always present inflammation that's there. So okay. it's made, it gets used up. It's made, it gets used up.
2: So I have, a, as an outsider, I have two main questions one, like, I think you touched on it briefly, but can you supplement it for it? And if you can't, why can't you? And two, like, Jorge, you mentioned that people with chronic illnesses are always like using up this um, molecule, but can't it be for people who are just in stressful situations in general, like, you work a really hard job, or you're always like, anxious, or whatnot? Or? Yeah. Even you're an elite athlete or anything like that? Yeah, so
0: first of all, important disclaimer, which I will also have on my website is it is not medical advice at all. Whatever I say is also not my opinion unless I say this is my opinion, right? All of the research that I'm talking about will be cited on my on my website at livewell.com. So to answer that question, You can supplement with it, just like you can supplement uh, NAD, which you also make in the body, just like you can supplement a bunch of different things that you make in the body, like melatonin, for example, right? And I don't have enough knowledge to say, should you or should you not? But I think you should check out Dr. Ben Lynch's research on that. He does recommend that certain people that fit a certain criteria, such as stressful life, or even, you know, hospitalization with, with COVID should, should, uh, supplement because glutathione isn't only its own antioxidant. Glutathione also regulates vitamin D production in the body. So they correlate with each other as glutathione goes up, vitamin D goes up and vice versa. So you can supplement with it, but it's just, it's, it's really important to know context. Thanks. That, that was
2: perfect. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah. So next thing, which is perfect because it, uh, you know, it works with glutathione is vitamin D. So vitamin D status, you can also look at someone super pale, but they're like good looking, strong looking, right? Like they have a good physique, right? Shredded. Yes. Shredded and they may have a really really terrible vitamin d status okay and as many people know vitamin d is critical for your immune system but it goes even further than that vitamin d is critical for hormonal health metabolic health cardiovascular health and it even interacts with the gut microbiome so why is that relevant right now well obviously because of covid but also because around 40% of Americans are deficient in vitamin D. And that's defined in, in many researchers opinions, the threshold is set way too low. So the threshold is set at 20 nanograms per milliliter in your blood of uh, 25 hydroxy vitamin D. Okay, 20 nanograms per milliliter. But many researchers, scientists and doctors actually believe the proper threshold should be somewhere at about 40 nanograms per milliliter and that's the level that you see um, in many of these uh, modern hunter-gatherer populations who are out in the sun all day and so many people believe it should be at 40 nanograms per milliliter and if you set it at 40 nanograms per milliliter around 90 percent of americans are deficient which is
2: scary.
1: ridiculous it's scary Striking
0: statistic.
2: (laughs) I mean, okay, if I could just butt in real quick, like for the people like me who don't know too much, like, what can we do to fix this or like help combat this?
0: Okay. So first thing is if you are able to get out in the sun, go (laughs) like go out in the sun. Um, So there's a few things I want to touch on actually sunlight, uh, different supplementation skincare products vegetable oils so nutrition in general so number one let's sunlight right you want to try to get in the sunlight as much as possible um safely though because obviously we know that the sunlight is is powerful right it you literally go outside for a few minutes and it millions of double strand breaks happen in your dna and for those of you that don't know really what that means is breaking of the dna if not balanced by antioxidants is what can lead to cancer okay so that's damage to the dna from the sunlight so how can you remedy that how can you actually still go out right well go out 10 15 minutes whatever you can manage at a time without getting that red that i used to get a few years ago go out and Try to expose as much skin as possible. And for God's sake, do not wear sunglasses, because the way that you produce more melanin occurs through your retinal pathways. And that's through alpha MSH, alpha melanocyte stimulating hormone that happens directly through your retina. So if you're going outside and you're wearing your cool sunglasses, you are probably, you're not allowing your body to adapt to the sunlight just by wearing sunglasses because you can't create that melanin that will protect you from the sunlight. So having, yeah, go ahead, Ben.
1: Not to rabbit hole, but also you'll mess up your circadian biology. We oh. can always hit on that in another podcast as well.
0: Yes. Yes. So, yeah, exactly. So it's really, you know, like the science is important but I think it's also important to think about what was life like before we even had all of this science. What was life like for those hunter-gatherers? They rose with the sun, and they set with the sun, and they did it with minimal clothing, okay? So so for that first tip, go outside. Whatever you can manage, do it, and don't go above that.
1: Uh, I would say what, what one thing that really helped me was starting in the spring when the sun is least intense. Like once the sun starts coming out and like even if it's in the winter, like hell, if you can manage it in the winter, go outside in the winter. But for me what was what was, what really helped was as soon as it started getting warm in the spring, I went outside with my shirt off for and, and since the sun was uh, not very intense at that point, I could stay out there for about an hour and then like, you know, no sunscreen and I wouldn't get pink.
0: Yeah, that's great. Solar That's calories. great. Yes. That is a perfect way to do that because like, I remember when my skin was super sensitive to the sun, I started going out in the spring when it was like 40, 50 degrees even. And it was still like, sadly, there were still some, you know, if I would stay out there for a while, I would still get a little bit red, even though the sun was like, you know, uh, a fraction of the UV that it would be during the summer. But I did it consistently without getting burned for the most part. And that allowed me to establish this solar resilience. So safe sun, circadian rhythms, no sunglasses, please. And up next, I would say, Uh, supplements that are synergistic and by the way I'm not I'm not like I'm an advocate of supplements in a smart way it's not really shouldn't have to be a replacement but because the soil is so depleted because our food is so depleted of micronutrients it is it has become pretty much a necessity to have supplements and one of those when we're talking about vitamin D is magnesium because magnesium is involved in over 300 biochemical reactions in the body so that right off the bat should alert you to something
1: and each biochemical reaction is not contained within its own little box like oh it's just this biochemical reaction right here that's all we're dealing with no like each biochemical reaction has cascading effects throughout the entire body because what does the body do it talks to itself it signals It communicates. It lets you know. It it lets like the rest of your body know that there there was a stimulus right here. It's it's just like your nervous system, but on a cellular level, different uh different mechanisms that happen.
0: Yes, yes mechanisms. Right, and so magnesium is not only involved with those three hundred biochemical reactions, but it's it's you know that has profound effects for every part of the body. Because, I mean, we're an interconnected system, right? You can't just single out like one little neuron and say like, oh, that's all this does. It doesn't connect to the body. No, no, it connects to every part of the body. Everything has its own part in a huge system. And so magnesium is really important because it actually activates vitamin D. Without that, you have this this vitamin D that can't, can't get activated. It can't. Uh because the form of vitamin D has to change and you need magnesium in order to be able to do that. So that's what I would say
2: for in terms of supplements. Then yeah. Um, just before you get too too far along on supplements, like once again, I like coming in as a slight outsider, but what's the best way you could advise someone to get these supplements? Like, do you can do you um Suggest like a multivitamin or like specific specific supplements. Like what's your take on that?
0: Yeah. So if you go to my resources page at uh com slash resources, I actually have a few formulations of magnesium that I've tried out and I really like. Um some that make you crap your pants and some that do not. Uh because Certain types of magnesium, like magnesium citrate, absorb so quickly that it makes a lot of water go into (laughs) the digestive tract all at once and is no good if you take a lot at once. But I have a lot of other different ones that I've tried that I really like that don't equal disaster pants. So you can check those out. Um, It should be under sleep and um, nutrition. So... You can check all of those out because there are a bunch of different forms that I've seen. Okay, thanks for having. Yes, sir.
1: In relation to uh, tie it back into current times. These yes. challenging, these difficult times.
0: These yes. unprecedented. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So obviously vitamin D is important for immune health and you know some people might say, Oh, that's an overgeneralization. Like, you don't know about COVID, right? Like, how does it tie into COVID? COVID, 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 right? And there are now more and more, and actually in September, the first randomized control trial was published uh of vitamin D supplementation to people in clinical, um the clinical settings, so in the ICU. Okay, so what happened was you had and to be fair, it was a small group, but it was significant nonetheless. So they people who entered into a hospital and were given magnesium, a very large, prese- or not magnesium, who were given a form of vitamin D. What happened with those people who were hospitalized is a, a significant amount of people did not require ICU care. Okay, and the control group who were hospitalized, a vast majority of them, or a larger majority of them, did need more care, ICU care. And out of those people in the control group who did need more ICU care, there were people who died. But in the group that was given vitamin D and who did still need ICU care, no one died. No one died and more people recovered. So that right there is very significant because it it also it wasn't like some observational study. It was a randomized control trial, which means it's it's on the it's higher on the hierarchy of studies, if you will. So that right there is really important. Number 2 is there have been a few studies ranging from anywhere from let's see 60 to like of people who died with COVID had a, had a vitamin D deficiency. Vitamin D is crucial for right now. And again, it's a biomarker of health. That is not apparent by just looking at someone usually.
1: The, the study done on blood clots, uh, I think the official term is what thrombosis, right? And, uh, magnesium and vitamin D deficiency showed, showed that You'll have a higher chance of forming blood clots with uh, a deficiency in those two in that mineral and that hormone. All right, Jorge?
0: Yeah, no, that was that was perfect. That was a perfect segue, bro. You're up. So so yeah, the next one I was going to talk about was fasting insulin, okay? Because as Ben was saying, we were when we were trying to build muscle, we were in a state of chronic overconsumption. We were literally stuffing our faces with food all the time i think swimming well yeah while we were swimming yeah like we did not go more than two hours or three hours usually without some sort of food in our stomach okay and the problem with that is insulin is a really really important hormone for managing the amount of blood sugar that you have so but on the other hand if you are exploiting the system and if you're if you're like making your poor pancreas work on overdrive because it's trying to keep blood sugar out of let's kind of keep sugar out of the bloodstream right it's trying to bring it into cells as much as possible because a lot of blood sugar equals damage to arteries damage to blood vessels so that's what it's trying to do okay and so if you have high amount of insulin, fasting insulin, there's actually been a published uh, uh research paper that's been published very recently and it shows the problems and the links between hyper insulin hyperinsulinemia very difficult word to say magnesium deficiency uh thrombosis and covid so the most important conclusions of those study were if you have high insulin, it doesn't just mean, oh, high insulin, bad. No, it has profound effects on the entire body. So high insulin equals depletion of magnesium, as well as other minerals such as vitamin K, blood clots, so thrombosis, higher incidences of cardiovascular disease, higher incidences of hypertension, and all of that just has this vicious cycle of leading to more and more and more disease. So if you're someone, especially who snacks all the time, and I used to be like, I mean, I did it all the time. It literally, like, I didn't even call it snacking because I just, it's just eating all the time. I'm hungry. Yeah, or not even I'm hungry. I want food in my mouth.
1: See food, eat food.
0: Exactly. So the problem with that is what I just explained, right? It's, it puts you at risk for so many other things. And it's a lifestyle factor that is, it is very controllable. It's very controllable. Um, Like, you know, you have these lifestyle interventions, such as intermittent fasting, um, or something as simple as just not snacking between meals, right? Because if you're constantly blood sugar up, insulin up, all the time you have this whole day like this sinusoidal wave you're not you're not letting the body um you're not letting the body rest and regenerate like it like it should and that leads to a lot of negative health consequences including a worsened immune system
1: this is not in line with your biological rhythm specifically your circadian rhythm so
0: yeah, and as we talked about earlier, um, the the hunter-gatherers, the early humans who survived were the ones who could survive for long periods of time without food. And now we just eat and eat and eat.
2: Okay, so I definitely can appreciate not wanting to spike your insulin levels like every five minutes, but say from the perspective of an athlete or just a regular person who just happens to be hungry, like fairly frequently, like who can eat like four to five meals a day. Would you, would you still recommend that they eat properly if they feel hungry?
1: Somebody who might be doing that. Um, so I would say it depends. You, you are, you end up, I don't want to say becoming your goals, but You need to know what your goal is, whatever decision you're making should be a conscious one. And to the best of your ability, you should be aware of the effect that that decision, that conscious decision to eat, whatever it is that you're eating is going to have on your body. It should be okay. I know what this is going to do. And either I'm doing it for a certain purpose or. Even in the case of, let's say, a piece of cheesecake, I'm eating this because I really like cheesecake, and maybe I'm out with friends, or it's going to bring me joy. And so, eat it because for a real for a reason, not just because craving eat like seafood, mindless like. Like I'll take my dog for example. Like she like she will just like walk past her food bowl and sniff it like twenty times a day because it's just mindless food programming. So be be conscious of what your goal is. If your goal is athletic performance and to gain muscle and to, uh, and you need those calories throughout the day because you're doing two a days then. Yeah. But is it sustainable?
0: Yeah. So in the context, like Ben said, I agree with that. And in the context of so much heavy training, I mean, your body's gonna gonna start to adapt. And by, by this time, you've been doing this for probably over 10 years, right, Luis? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So you've been doing this for a long time, meaning your body has, has adapted to it in certain ways. So in the context of really heavy exercise and exercise in general, your body has uh, you know, increased insulin sensitivity. Your body goes through these adaptations, which means that you can get away with, at least for a certain period of time, you can get away with eating a lot frequently because your body is undergoing, uh, you know, a lot of exercise, which allows for that. Because in in people, let's say let's say let's take your eating pattern or our eating pattern, and Put that onto someone who did nowhere near the amount of exercise we did. They sat on the couch every day. They sat at work every day, which is, you know, it is the the reality for many people. And they ate all the time. Well, their insulin sensitivity isn't very high because exercise increases how sensitive you are to insulin. And so um, every single day that you do that, you are making yourself more and more resistant to insulin's messages of take glucose out of the bloodstream and put it where it belongs. And that is really the problem. So to answer it like very few words, you can get away with it for a little while. And it really depends on the person, how long you can get away with it for, for athletes.
2: Thank you, that makes sense. I don't know. Like this whole topic very specifically reminds me of like all the swimmers in particular who end up stopping swimming, but they continue eating in the same fashion. And then they just blow up like balloons and have all sorts of health problems.
0: Oh yeah. I know my coaches were like that for the most part.
2: So I I have a kind of a question. Would you, would you recommend, I guess there's two ways you could look at this. You could either stop eating that way or do you recommend trying to continue having intense exercise so you could still kind of eat that way well listen something
0: i've slowly come to learn is health is not the ultimate goal of life the ultimate well i can't say the ultimate goal of life is i'm oh, not god right. right i know i know the meaning of life guys here it is no you said you were uh, all-knowing at the beginning of the podcast <laughs> yes um So health is not it is not the ultimate goal. Um, And many people have goals like making the Olympics, which takes a hell of a lot of effort, daily continuous effort of a lot more training than most people are willing to do. Or imagine. Yes, or imagine. So the thing with that is, if you're going to do it, commit to doing it right and commit to Because you can will yourself to do a lot of things. You can will yourself to go to practice when you don't want to and you really need rest. You can will yourself to overeat even if your stomach hurts because you know you need the calories. You can will yourself to do a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how can I do this in a way that is also you know, that also gives me a good quality of life, right? Because at the end of the day, that's what we're seeking. And, and many high performance and many athletes are also seeking, a, you know, a good quality of life. So the way that I would, if I were to do it all over again, uh, I would stop like tyrannizing myself so much. And every once in a while I would just skip practice when I really felt that I needed to. Um, but that's not my recommendation. Of course, my recommendation is get your diet, right? cut out the crap. You're not a machine, which means a calorie is not really a calorie, right? So if you eat uh, a piece of cake, oh, it has 100 calories. That's the same as this uh, wild caught salmon. No, it's not the same because it doesn't affect your hormones in the same way, which doesn't affect how you handle calories, which doesn't affect how you handle stress and doesn't affect, you know, how you will be able to deal with that stress in the long term. So get your diet right, get your sleep right, get your circadian rhythm right. If you're going to do something this stressful. the most important thing is you need to be able to recover from that stress.
2: Nice, you heard it from Jorge himself. Get it right, guys. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's definitely what I what I would have done. And I I, I needed I didn't have all of that knowledge because I was literally like breaking down every you know, pretty much any way you looked at it, I was I was breaking down in terms of health, but I didn't know what I could do to make myself healthier, while still being in it fully. But having some time to uh, dig deep, and look at what actually can make someone healthy and uh, not feel like tired all the time. has helped. Awesome. All right. So some final ones that we're just going to go through kind of quickly, blood sugar, blood sugar, as we said before, if it's really high all the time, that is, that is very negative because that correlates with high insulin as well. And as we talked about poor outcomes with that, so high blood sugar does worsen immune function. And actually this is something really interesting. Glucose, and vitamin C compete for absorption into the cell. So that's partially why you get worse in the immune function because if, you know, it's gonna go for the blood sugar first, your cells are gonna be like, we need to take this shit out of the bloodstream now. But the vitamin C, cause that, that's literally like, that's damage right there. If it's there for too long, you will have damage. Uh, vitamin C on the other hand, like it's, it's water soluble if I'm if I'm correct, so it really doesn't present a that big of a threat. Where on the other hand, high blood sugar does. So worsened immune function. And actually, I don't know if you guys know something about this, but there's been a lot of talk of, and anecdotally, like myself, I've been in a hospital. Usually, the food, Jello, white bread, pizza, vegetable oils everywhere. That is not conducive to healing someone when they're at their worst and
2: especially in terms of blood sugar agreed i mean from what you're saying though there's 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 a i can i can't help to stop thinking about fruit because some fruits are very high in sugar but they're also high in vitamin c so there's a there's like this caveat and this so what do you do when it comes to fruit how do you handle that
0: well it's that's incredible that's like the incredible synergistic part of of nature it literally pairs those two together because it's like it knows right that's incredible to me and the thing with fruit is like i don't know there have been people demonizing it as like sugar is sugar right and i mean kind of yes but uh, fruit also has a lot of water in it it has fiber in it meaning You don't get that huge blood sugar spike with that huge insulin spike as you get with a piece of white bread because you have a lot of things that work with it minerals vitamins water fiber so i personally wouldn't demonize them yeah so next one we only have a few left uh c reactive protein crp is a common biomarker of inflammation um and the reason why this is important and relevant for the pandemic is because high CRP leads can lead to a cytokine storm. And a cytokine storm, if you guys have been reading like a lot of the news around COVID, is characteristic of severe COVID cases or an overactive immune response. And cytokines, while they're important, they are inflammatory signaling molecules. So you want them to signal, yo, we got an invader here, but you don't want them to be, you know, like getting a lot of collateral damage on other cells, you know, parts of the body, right? And that's what happens when you have a high CRP. And that's also not really very visible if you see someone or it can be, you know, underneath the surface of someone. Like, Arnold.
1: and we and you know we keep bringing up um like bodybuilder types or you know endurance athletes and stuff like that but just take your like your regular not really overweight dude or chick you know you got just like a normal body like like i say normal but they just have, they're just like, it takes, like, if you were to make a me character on the Wii, it would be like default settings on, on the me character, just kind of like, just like that, you know, not fat, not shredded, but all of those markers, uh, can still be present and you, and you're like, you know, he, like my boss, uh, my boss, Jerry, like, you know, like maybe he was going a little bit bald, but other than that, I thought he was a healthy dude. I didn't think COVID would hit him this hard. It's like, nah, you didn't. What, is he, what, is, what does Jerry eat for breakfast every morning? He stops at Dunkin' Donuts, gets an, gets an egg sandwich with sausage and that fake cheese and gets a donut and a vanilla latte. That's like, it's stuff like that. At, uh, you just don't see, and like, okay, he goes, uh, he goes and sits on his elliptical at home for 15 minutes or 20 minutes a day. Like, okay, that's great, but what is he eating that's causing that underlying inflammation? You know, just for your normal dudes out there. Exactly,
0: exactly, and it's important that I mention again the statistics that I mentioned at the beginning. 60% of American adults have one or more chronic disease. That's insane. That's literally like walking down the street. Uh, one doesn't. Uh, two, yes. One doesn't. Two, yes. Two oh three yes. You know, like it's more than every other person has a chronic disease that you'll encounter. So that's where the definition of health gets really difficult because you can't just really tell by looking at your average Joe if they'll be healthy or not. Because we're we're just... You know, and this is basically, I'm going to, I'm going to tie everything together now and just give you some main takeaways. So according to the CDC, 94% of COVID deaths had one or more comorbidities. 94% is virtually everyone. And so again, healthy is misleading in the media's eyes because, you know, like a lot of the news, news articles, they want views. And if you say healthy people killed by coronavirus, you will get views. But it's just not the whole truth. And so our definition of health is completely distorted. And sadly, it's it's become normalized that people are chronically sick. Um, it's just getting harder and harder to find someone who is really truly healthy and again i it it might sound harsh saying all these things and and it's not blaming it on the individual per se because they're just doing what the government dietary recommendations lifestyle interventions are saying right they're they're not really to blame like if i knew better now i maybe i would have stuck with with swimming, maybe I would have kept on, uh, you know, maybe I wouldn't had so much like chronic anxiety, like some depression like symptoms, maybe I wouldn't have had, uh, you know, like these digestive issues for as long as I had them. Or like, like I said, in episode one, like I would have these like low key panic attacks when I did homework when I was little, like in elementary school, but like my parents never called it that obviously, but so if that that's following, This is the most important message. 60% chronic disease and 54% chronic disease in children, this is following the mainstream conventional wisdom. So that should tell you that something is not working. And so the root cause of negative outcomes in patients with COVID are not merely because of a virus. And the statistics are fully behind me. And the truth is we are just we're just sick. Like we are sick from the moment that we're, we get up in the morning to the moment we go to bed, we have all of these things that compound and lead us to become these unhealthy people that we've sadly become, but there is hope. There is hope. And that's why I made this podcast. That's why I have you guys on because having conversations about this and, um, I think that's the that's the best way forward. Having conversations about it um, and educating other people and bringing them up too, and shining a light on things like this is
2: important. And just before you go, Jorge, where can we find you on social media? Oh my God. Um,
0: so I usually just use my Instagram, uh, which is at live.dam.well. Um, also, if you're interested in chronic disease, healthcare, immune health, I recommend you check out my book, Return to Human. I know I sound like a broken record, uh, but it's on Amazon right now. It's a Kindle version. I'm working to get a paperback version, hopefully in a few months. And uh, yeah, but if you want a free sneak peek of the book, just head over to my website at livedamwell.com.
1: I think we got some goodies in here for that we can. We can rabbit hole for future podcasts
0: you know last yeah last thing about that so wash you researchers a few months ago this kind of hurts me to say it just a few months ago said boosting immune health a possible treatment strategy for covid19 they're on track yeah they're on track what amazes me is that it took them so long to realize that that's a possible treatment avenue wait like like naturally boosting immune health
1: is that does that mean like your immune system like helps doing
0: what it's supposed to do
1: prevent disease possible
0: Navigating the world of health and wellness is anything but straightforward. So if you're a little bit confused as to, you know, what things are harmful? Is this food good? Is this food bad? Well, spoiler alert, it's not that simple. However, I and many others have done the heavy lifting. So I put together a book called return to human how modern medicine, the media and the mundane have destroyed our immune systems and how to move back towards optimal health. The full version is available on Amazon. Now it's around 70 or 80 pages. And so it's really a simple guidebook that you can use in an introduction to all of the major aspects of health, which is why I think it's so helpful for people who are kind of confused and lost. Here's what I cover. I cover the top six aspects of health, which if compounded, if combined together, and all of these things are done properly, then you can have amazing effect on your overall health because You know, unlike what many health gurus claim, one thing will not make a healthy person. Multiple things will give you a 1%, a 2%, even a 10% if you're lucky, increase in your overall quality of life. So in the book, I share with you the six major aspects of health and what things in our modern environment are causing our immune health to be totally crippled. And then also what we can do to live an ancestrally modern lifestyle, which supports health. And it's not a medical recommendation. Of course, I want you to do your own research. You are responsible for you. But it's a great starting point if you're a little bit confused. Now, I understand that right now you may not want to dish out a few dollars, even though it is $3 right now on Amazon. That's okay. Because mindset is inextricably tied to your immune health. So your emotional state, your mindset, all of that directly affects how your immune system functions in response to a virus or a bacterial infection and so forth so i made that chapter 100 percent free for you to download it gives you some very simple tools that you can use to reduce stress to calm the nervous system all in a way that's free or very very affordable now if you want that You can click the link in the description which says free download to chapter two or simply head over to livedamwell.com. I hope you check it out. I hope it helps and I'll see you in the next episode.